0: You have to be able to deal with rejection. It takes so much courage to be able to deal with the rejection of the people that we love or who supposedly love us. Because guess what? Real love is loving me. If you love me, you love me. You don't reject me because I think differently than you. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm Ginger. I'm a psychologist and practicing attorney. I went from living a life of oppression and abuse to owning my truth and gaining my freedom. My goal with each episode is to educate and empower you, the listener, so that together we can all snap out of it. Welcome back. So this is what we're going to get into today. Looking at what is your committee in your head. The Remember we talked about last week, the self-talk that we have either been trained to say to ourselves or sometimes what we've adopted ourselves, right? You know, I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. I'm so fat. I'm so whatever, right? Identifying that self-talk and then making a decision about what you're going to do with that. So let's go into socially acceptable. What is it that's socially acceptable to you? It could be, um, I'm so popular. I'm smart. I'm wealthy. I'm beautiful. I'm well-educated. Whatever it is, those could be considered socially acceptable self-talk messages that we are giving ourselves, right? And then, of course, today there's sometimes socially less acceptable. So, for example, it might be that someone is struggling financially or that they have an issue with the physical appearance that he or she finds themselves in because it's not the norm in the culture in which they are raised. Uh, There could be socially less acceptable religions that people ascribe to skin color, race, culture, etc. So identifying the socially acceptable or socially not acceptable, whatever, or less acceptable um, self-talk is the first step. So what do you tell yourself? What do you say when you're lying in bed at night, when you wake up in the morning? Identify that. Like we talked about last week, write it down. If you keep a journal or a diary, Make notes of what is going on between your ears in order to know what you're thinking. Because then that's the next step. Once you identify your thoughts, then you can make a decision about how you're going to act on those. So I want to go into really drill down and get into specifics about those talks, like those self-faults, their false beliefs. Sometimes they're true, but do we want to act on those? And and is part of the process in the beginning identifying where the origin of those thoughts came from? Yeah, so okay. part of the process in the beginning is identifying the origin of those thoughts. So I just challenge you to think about what you automatically tell yourself because it's always been that way. And the best way to identify the initial thoughts is to think about what your parents told you when you were little. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be bad. We're not placing judgment, but we're identifying a core belief. So, for example, I grew up in a Southern family. And the mentality in the South is that the war of Northern aggression is still being fought. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And we're fed those thoughts not placing blame on whether they're true or not, but we're, we're taught in the South to believe a certain way about different cultures, different religions, different races, and because they're different. And that otherness, that finger pointing can be interpreted as bad. So if a person grows up in a culture where they're taught, oh, this is how we think, this is how our family thinks this is how the latin community thinks or this is how the african american community thinks the other culture the others don't think the way we do and this is how the for lack of a better term oppression begins and and oppression has a negative connotation it means it's you know you're in bondage or you're in chains but really it's just a pattern of thinking that keeps a mind closed and in order to have more of an open mind and to be more inclusive or tolerant, which is a buzzword today, um, we need to first identify what, what we're thinking about. Yeah, so my producer, Ramiro, is asking me to define more uh, core belief, what that means. So a core belief, and this isn't necessarily a technical term, but this is something that as a psychologist, we identify in cognitive behavioral therapy. So a core belief is something that a person adopts as though it's true and it's an irrefutable and unequivocally objective. So let me think of an example. Oh, here's one. An affluent family does not experience domestic violence. Mm. Now, obviously today after, um, some press and highly publicized murder trials, we know that there are celebrity families, affluent families that can experience intimate partner violence or what previously was called domestic violence, but that's a core belief. And, um, you know, I, I even ascribed to that with all my years of psychology and my, uh, experience as an educated woman. I believed that, what happened in a relationship that I had in the past, which was a domestically violent relationship, I believe that it couldn't really be happening to me because we were so affluent. It only happens with people that live in less um, demographically privileged areas, et cetera, right? So that's a core belief. And those core beliefs really need to be challenged in order to determine whether or not they are true. So going back to cognitive behavioral therapy, which is breaking it down. What is cognitive? That's the cognition or what our thoughts are. And then behavioral is the behaviors that result from the thought that we have, right? So if I believe that I'm not a victim of domestic violence because I live in a nice neighborhood and drive a Mercedes, then I'm not going to act on the true issue, which is that I am technically being abused and that I'm being harmed and that I'm being... Endangered. So, cognitive, people like me don't experience domestic violence. And then behavioral, therefore, I'm not going to do anything about it because I must be wrong. Mm -hmm. And like what we talked about last week, you know, we don't listen to the gut. So, a core belief can govern then our behaviors. Let's take the layers away even more and let's look at what is the real belief. So, how do you get to the core belief? Okay, this is a little bit of psychology. And I already know the answer because everyone has one of, in my opinion, one of two belief systems. Now, if I were writing a dissertation, which I'm not, I just stopped at a master's and then I went and got a Juris Doctorate, which is a doctoral degree in um, legal studies, I would say it's either you're a loser or I'm a loser. And here's where I really feel vulnerable because this has not been demonstrated to be true in any academic journals to my knowledge, but it's very likely a possible um, solution to the negative core belief system. So let's put to the side the world is not fair for a minute because we all know that that is true. The world's not fair, right? And kids always, mommy, that's not fair. Daddy, that's not fair. Well, yeah, true. Number one life lesson. The world is not fair, right? And the real core belief, I believe, and this is where I would stick my neck out and write a dissertation on, is that everyone really has deep down inside, unless they're trained otherwise, they really have a belief of I'm a loser. Like we all think I must be a loser. Mm. like unless we are trained to stop thinking that way. And so if we adopt people's oppressive mindset, then it still reflects on us. And we determine whether or not that core belief, I'm a loser, is true. And it's not. It's absolutely a lie, a huge lie that keeps everyone in bondage. So if we reject that and never allow ourselves to think, In any way, I'm a loser, but we only believe I'm a winner, oh my gosh, what freedom Mm -hmm. can we live in, right? And the people that say you're a loser and point a finger are really, I'm a loser, because when you point a finger, there's three of them pointing back at at you or me, right? Right. So they're given away because they're pointing fingers. You're a loser. You're so bad. You're so wrong is really a reflection of how they feel about themselves. And we know, and it's documented in literature and research that people who point fingers at other people are really, they're reflecting what they believe about themselves and they're projecting it onto a person who would be the target. And certainly we do not want to incorporate other people's false beliefs about us or their own negative beliefs about themselves and adopt them ourselves. All right. Now maybe you're stuck. And it's hard to identify those thoughts, right? So let's look at that behavior. That's how you get the thoughts. So you go backwards. Mm-hmm. Look at your behavior. Okay. Are you eating too much? Are you drinking too much? Are you smoking? Are you gambling? Are you looking at things you shouldn't be? Shouldn't be, right? I mean, that's a also a violent communication. The word should, could, ought, mm-hmm. whatever. What habits or what self-regulatory behaviors are you engaging in that make you feel better to mask the beliefs that are in your head, right? Mm -hmm. Taking a minute to look at that. Because it's really important that we sit in our heads and sit in our rooms and sit in our chairs and are comfortable. And when we can't do that because our voices are screaming at us that we've got to fix it or get a fix or do something in order to feel better. Something's happening. There are thoughts. So some examples of core beliefs that are outside of that, that inner inner circle of the, I'm a loser. Let's, let's expand it out a little bit. I'm stupid. I'm fat. I'm not organized. I can't speak in public. I'm afraid I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I don't have enough money. I need to buy this to be happy. I need to please him to get love. I need this. I need that. I need the other. What can I do to fix it? And the fixes, the 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 behaviors are a symptom of what's really happening inside. And so you can live that way. You can live uh, gambling away all of your money in order to feel better about yourself. Fine. I'm not going to judge you. And, not but, and you can also choose to take control over those negative thoughts and feelings. You can also choose to identify them. Okay. So my producer, Ramiro brought up a really good point about the negative self-talk downward spiral. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I didn't accomplish everything on my list at work today ugh i'm a loser right that's the core right but we don't go there maybe we're not aware of that thought maybe we haven't heard this podcast so then okay i'm going to oh, i'm going to go home and overeat or i'm not listening to myself feel bad about my productivity at work and i'm intentionally or unintentionally eating emotionally eating as a result of the need to feel better because i'm not engaged in what's happening in my gut and in the primitive brain that ugh i don't feel good about myself right And then that downward spiral becomes a self-perpetuating problem because then I overeat, then I don't go to the gym, then I'm not experiencing the endorphins from working out, so I don't have the natural feel-good hormones, and then I go back to work and I've got a sugar hangover the next day. And it's just bondage. This is bondage. Bondage. I feel like another good example of this is, so, for example, being raised in a small town and having the core belief that you're meant to stay in this small town, marry young, have children stay, but but you leave this small town and you go chase a dream and you have days where it's not going well and you go home and you go, well, gosh, maybe my parents were right. Right. I shouldn't have left home. That's That's a really common core belief that we see a lot, especially out here in Los Angeles. Sure. And that's where we get the crabs in the bucket analogy, Ah. which I would love to share with you. Please do. Okay. So this has happened to me a few times and I did not understand until I learned about the crabs in the bucket. Okay. Well, first of all, before we talk about crabs in the bucket, you have to be able to deal with rejection. (sighs) That's a hard one. That's a very hard one. It takes so much courage. To be able to deal with the rejection of the people that we love or who supposedly love us. Oh, that's the key. Yeah. Because guess what? Real love is loving the person, loving me. If you love me, you love me. You don't reject me because I think differently than you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Are you open-minded enough to love me for my choices if they're different than yours? Oh. <gasps> I know. Well, I literally had to experience rejection that was out of my control, and deal with it, and figure out that I could love myself anyway. It was a tough lesson because Mm -hmm. I wanted to be liked very badly. That's. I think we all do. At the end of the day, that's that's a that is a thing in in of course a core belief. If I if you don't like me, I'm a loser. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And guess what? If you don't like me, I'm not a loser you need to open your mind and see what, who I am for real. Right. And I don't even say if you don't like me, you're a loser because then that's the finger pointing that I stand against. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't finger point. We accept. So what is the person who grew up in middle America and wants to pursue a dream that's different than what his culture is telling him he needs to pursue? Well, number one, overcome the potential for rejection. Now, let's talk about the crabs in the bucket. Okay, there's this phenomenon where if a crab is inside of a bucket, and I need to probably give credit to whoever came up with this, and so shout out to whoever that was. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, The crab can easily get out of the bucket. No problem. But... Let's put more than one crab inside the bucket. And do you know what happens to a crab that tries to climb out of a bucket when there's other crabs inside? What happens? The other crabs will make a link chain and pull the one crab who's almost over the ledge of the bucket back down into the bucket. What? I'm totally serious. Wow. So I was in school and I won't say which school so there's no implication of who the people were but I was in school and I had been elected actually as an officer in that particular class of whatever whatever and uh, then I was um, given some accolades that other people weren't what I mean by that is I was given some high praise some rewards and awards that my team, my other peers weren't given. They all became crabs because I was about to crawl out of the bucket and achieve some spotlight limelight, right? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And I fully expected the rah-rah section of people who had elected me as an officer to go, yay, Ginger, go. You get to rise above us which is really, you know, silly because I wasn't better than in any way, but it was considered above because that's what the definition of success was in this particular school class, right? Yeah. <clears throat> no, sir, I was ostracized, rejected, talked about, murmured about, finger pointed about, and told by no uncertain terms that I was a loser because I was trying to climb out of that bucket. Mm. I was a loser, because I was trying to get out of that situation. And guess what? At the time, and I still would do this, I was volunteering my notes, my, um, the procedure that I used to get to that position of, uh, of importance, and helping the other crabs. Because if the crabs work together, the first one that gets to the top can pull all the others out. Mm. Right? That's the phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. So had the crabs not tried to pull me back, they could have all gotten out too. They could have all gotten out and let's go back to the small town analogy. If one person breaks out and gets to explore his dream, then other people go, wow, Mm -hmm. he had success. Maybe I can do it too. And then what happens when there is a setback? So let's say the person goes to Hollywood and and joins a um, a group of successful people and has a wild amount of success. And then all of a sudden there's a setback, right? Does that person ascribe to old belief systems and say, dang, I should have gone back and stayed in the bucket with all the other crabs? Or does the person identify that belief? I'm not going to think I'm a loser just because I had one setback. I know I'm a winner because I had the courage to climb out of the bucket, right? That's the so defining a success yeah. in a manner that's true to you standing in that definition of success and not letting anyone tell you that you're bad or wrong as a result. So for me, my definition of success is to be as open-minded and uh, accepting of everyone that's different than me as possible. Because if I'm able to relate to everyone, I am a huge winner as a result. And that makes me proud of my accomplishments because to me, it doesn't matter. So, no, it does matter that I am a lawyer now. It does matter that there's a 20% success rate only for people who sit for the California bar exam. I mean, that's a big deal, right? Huge. But that's not what I define as successful. Even when I failed the bar exam the first time, what defined my ability to know that I'm a winner is I let myself feel the pain of the rejection of the bar and not passing the first time. And I did not allow myself to think I was a loser. What I said to myself was, how long are you going to lie on this sofa? How long am I going to do that before I pick my ass up off the sofa? Stop eating takeout Uber. Well, I keep eating takeout Uber, but (laughs) stop feeling sorry for myself and get back on the horse and ride it. And I can tell you, it was on Thanksgiving that I got back up, sat down at the table and started studying for the bar exam again, because I knew that I was a winner because I wasn't going to let a failure stop me from moving forward in my truth. That if I'm a winner, whether or not I ever pass the bar exam, because that's not my definition of success, I'm doing it for myself and I'm doing it for the people that are coming down that need me in the future. For me, I already know that I'm a winner because I am a breathing human being. Mm-hmm. I managed to get here <laughs> to the planet Truly. and I wake up every morning and I breathe, which means I'm a winner. So, if you wake up every morning and you breathe, you're a winner too. And it could be an awful day. I mean, you could dread it. But identifying that thought and then making a decision about whether or not you're going to act on it, I'm a loser. Or you're going to change your thought and replace it with truth is what we can talk about next time. So if you're going to change the thought to I'm a winner, and then you could go through the laundry list of false beliefs, or maybe some of them are true. What action steps can you take to then actually one foot in front of the other, walk forward in your own truth? There are ways to snap out of it one of the greatest gifts that we have on this planet is our agency, Mm -hmm. our free will. And so, yes, we're responsible actually to take what we're hearing here today and uh, look at our thoughts and go, wow, am I choosing to believe this about myself? Is this an oppressive thought that I'm choosing to keep myself in this type type of bondage? Absolutely. And you can choose that. I'm not here to judge. People want to stay in their family of origin and culture of origin, thought processes and belief systems because there's safety there Mm -hmm. and because maybe it's right or good, but what is right and what is good, right? So just challenge the thought and determine because if you choose not to climb out of that bucket and stay with the other crabs, crabs are happy. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying get out. I'm saying identify it. And if you want to know how to get out, tune in next time. If you have any thoughts or questions, feel free to send them in. I'd love to address some of those. And thanks so much for listening.